Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in, Thursday edition of the program, IU with a 74-57 no-doubter last night at home over Penn State. We said yesterday on the program this was a game Indiana had to win, they had to get some revenge over the Nittany Lions, especially at home, and I mentioned one of the things that I would like to see from this Indiana team if they truly are going to step it up in February and make a run at the NCAA tournament uh, is for this team to not get off to slow starts. It's something that has really hampered this ball club uh, consistently throughout the season, even slow starts coming out of the second half as well. And uh, Indiana, that was not the uh, case for them le- last night. They jumped out to a 12 nothing lead, uh, had a commanding 29-point lead uh, at halftime, 46-17 the score, and just a really good performance at home for IU to gear up for a road test at Maryland. It's a game Indiana can win. I think it's a game Indiana should win, but we know how road games go in the Big Ten. And Maryland has been uh, starting to figure things out uh, with after a lot of issues and a coaching change and so many so much else this season. Uh, they've started to figure some things out. I think are playing a lot better basketball. So big one for IU, total team effort. It's the kind of game that you want to see uh, starters do well, bench players get back in the swing of things. Uh, Indiana, lots of momentum from last night's ball game. Trace Jackson Davis, Race Thompson, Xavier Johnson, they were all in double figures for IU. IU's offensive stats really just amazing across the board. 10 of 20 from two-point range, 6 of 8 from three-point range, and average just over 1.4 points per session. Per possession did the Hoosiers last night. So a really, really nice performance for IU. Another win that you got to get at home. And again, so much attention now to the road game coming up at Maryland a little bit later this week. Let's take a look at the show lineup. It's a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Segment one coming up here in just a few moments. Greg Mingelt, he's the lead writer at Hoosier Hills Hoops. He's going to join us for the latest in Southern Indiana basketball. We're in a really good spot right now as far as local hoops goes. The girls' tournament starts next week. We've got Silver Creek leading the way here in the area. Lots of good boys' games coming up this weekend and really the rest of the way uh, throughout the month of February as well. Some big conference games, some big rivalry games, and we've got a couple big storylines to talk about. Uh, The last few weeks, Greg and I have discussed Romeo Lankford. 
He had some really good games before Christmas, seemed to really be in the flow and the swing of things with Boston. And then after Christmas, after the holidays, really not much opportunity, even as far as minutes go for Romeo at all. And after a game or two where he seemed to get more minutes and he made the most of those minutes again, uh, he's back on the outs, it seems, as far as playing time goes in Boston. So we're going to talk about that coming up in addition to this weekend's games and I've been hearing from a lot of you on Twitter and the text line and other places about a new addition to the Silver Creek Boys basketball team, and uh, we've been able to confirm this. We'll uh, talk more about it, but the Brandon Hoffman's Dragons have a new player that came in just a few days ago and is going to be immediately eligible for Silver Creek, and uh, we'll tell you more about that coming up here in just a moment. Also, later in the show, it's Thursday, so Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall is with us. We'll recap the IU win over Penn State last night. Uh, IU with big margins in that game, commanding lead like we've not seen at any point this season, and we'll recap everything from that and start to get ready for Maryland coming up as well. And then later in the show, it's our annual chat with Kip Westner, the publisher of the Hoosier Basketball Magazine. It's kind of like a Bible of uh, basketball in our state. And I got my copy a few weeks ago and have been perusing through reading up on local teams and other teams from across the state. And Kip is going to join us to talk about this year's edition of the magazine, where you can find it. We'll also talk just some general, I think, interesting basketball storylines uh, for you guys, the listeners, when Kip is with us a little bit later in the hour. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. And now we start with our first guest, Greg Mingelt of Hoosier Hills Hoops, uh, complete coverage of Southern Indiana basketball at the HoosierHillsHoops.com website with us right now for the latest in Southern Indiana basketball. Greg, let's start with a familiar topic. A lot of people like to hear about Romeo Lankford. Uh, great games before Christmas. Uh, since the holidays, not a lot of opportunity. He did get a game or two of some uh, pretty decent minutes, and I thought made the most of it. But uh, reading all your updates on Romeo, the Romeo Tracker, as it's called, uh, the last few weeks, not a lot of minutes, not a lot of opportunities for Romeo, who once appeared to be very solid in his rotation with the Celtics. Yeah, he's gotten some minutes in the last few games, but it's been <clears throat> late, uh, end of the game, the game's over kind of minutes. Uh, I think they were ahead by 48 points before he got into the game, uh, their last game. So that's a little bit concerning. Um you know, there's a lot of movement in the NBA right now. I think they've had more players in the NBA this year than ever before in history, and we're only in January. So um, there's a lot of movement with the rosters, uh, in and out of lineups. Um, I'm sure he'll be uh, counted on again later in this season, but it is a little bit concerning that he uh, is not part of the rotation, at least uh, hasn't been for the last few weeks. To be fair, you know, when he even in those games where he is getting in at the end of the game, he's putting up some pretty big points. Uh, so uh, that's uh, it's in, it's been interesting, an interesting season for Romeo. Yeah, no question. But it'll be interesting to see the trade de- deadline is is coming up here, uh, and obviously, you know, the NBA season is moving forward and forward. Be interesting to see what happens with him this year. He's got that extra year already set up with the Celtics, but uh, will be really interesting, I think, to see how things play out. And if this is just a phase uh, or a test here by the Celtics to try to limit their their lineup or, or what's going on. But, uh, you know, I, I felt very comfortable 
uh, earlier in the year that the Celtics were going to be the home for him in the NBA, at least for these first handful of years. But uh, right now, I'm not sure. Yeah, the new head coach when he came into the season was definitely talking up Romeo as part of the rotation. So apparently something's changed. Uh, maybe it'll change again. We'll we'll have to just wait and see what's going on there. All right, Greg Mingelt, HoosierHillsHoops.com, I guess. He joins us Thursdays to talk basketball here in the area. And you know we love our basketball here in southern Indiana. Before we get to this weekend's games and the next week's girls state tournament and sectionals beginning across the area, uh, a little bit of breaking news, and Madison Jr., his name is Caden Oliver, a really solid player. He was the Cubs' leading scorer. He's transferred to Silver Creek and is immediately eligible. Uh, I've heard this, uh, confirmed this with people at Silver Creek, but reading a report from David Campbell, who's the local uh, Madison uh, Courier, I believe, newspaper guy, and does a great job covering teams in that area. Uh, but his stepmother... Uh, Oliver's stepmother has been hired as the assistant principal at Silver Creek. And so uh, under IHSA rules, he can have immediate eligibility and not have to sit out. I don't follow football in Madison as closely as I do the basketball team, but Oliver, I think, is a pretty good football player as well. So Silver Creek, a big pickup without knowing anything or any details or when Coach Hoffman plans to insert him into the lineup. I've heard off the record it may not be this weekend because who does Silver Creek play this weekend? Exactly. Madison is one exactly. of their games. <laughs> so how awkward would that be? But uh, I, without with what I know of Silver Creek, uh, obviously Brandon Hoffman, uh, Brandon Northern rather, is their leader, their senior leader that has made so much happen with the ball the last three years for the Dragons, and he's having a great year offensively scoring it this year as well. Uh, but right behind him, I would put Caden Oliver, of what I know of the Silver Absolutely. Creek lineup. So this is a really big pickup, and maybe he helps or doesn't help this weekend, Silver Creek. But by the time sectional gets here in another month and a half or even less than that, really, uh, Caden Oliver is going to be, I think, a factor right out of the gate for this Silver Creek ball club. Yeah, I think uh, obviously Silver Creek, the one thing that you, we know about this year's Silver Creek team is uh, they've got one really good scorer and a bunch of other guys who score a few points a game. So adding a second really, really good score. I mean, it, Oliver scored about 20 points every night that Madison played. And not only that, but he's a good facilitator, does a lot of good things um, that we've seen when we've seen Madison play this year. So, um, yeah, that's a big deal. That could, that could change them from, you know, a uh, – an outside contender with North Harrison and Brownstown being the favorites in that sectional to Silver Creek being the favorites again. That could be the thing that, that does that. You know, and I do want to, to say this. There's so much that goes on these days with transfers, and there's rumors of recruiting at different schools. But by all accounts here, just to put yeah. this out, uh, the mother gets an administrative job, and that's been her profession at Silver Creek. And this is truly an IHSA uh, allowance that if your mother, father, uh, relation, close relation gets a administrative job, uh, you are immediately eligible because and oftentimes you're going to have to make a move so the, they can be totally committed to that school and that community. So anytime a family makes a move, it sure. should, it, th there's no reason to punish the kid for that. Sure. So again, you know, this is one of those things where our world, and I, I mentioned this as well, you know, it's getting to a point even in, in southern Indiana where things have been um, uh, pristine and kind of old-fashioned in many ways 
that you know who who who's going to be your new addition after Christmas break? And it seems like you know just off the top of my head, I can think that Clarksville picked up some kids after Christmas break. New Albany had a player come in from Louisville after Christmas break. Uh, Jeffersonville a, a year ago had Jalen Fairman, who was a huge addition to their team, eligible after Christmas break. And I know there are other examples as well, especially if you look across the state. But it's just amazing all the midseason transferring that goes on. So as quick as everyone is to claim recruiting or claim this or claim that, knowing all the details here, this is a very legitimate move. And boy, uh, if I'm North Harrison or other teams in that sectional that are ready to try to knock off Silver Creek, who's mm-hmm. had so much dominance in that sectional, in route to some state championships, you know, you just kind of scratch your head and say, you know, th- this was the year that that we're better than them, and this is the year that we're supposed to beat them, and maybe they still will, but this addition will make Silver Creek a lot better. Yeah, without getting into the whole recruiting thing, and and honestly, we need to lighten that up. I th- think that, you know. Kids should be able to play where they where they're most comfortable. But that without getting too much into that, um, yeah, it's uh, it, there's a lot more movement than there used to be. There's a lot less predictability than there used to be, and especially with c- the COVID thing, you look at results now and you see, oh, I didn't expect that to happen in a game, and you wonder, I wonder how many kids they had out with COVID. So that's the kind of season that this is. But going forward, there is going to be a lot more movement. There's, you know, I think as a society, we've uh, we've. Uh, frowned upon that kind of stuff in the past, but now we look at it as, hey, uh, kids should be playing where they want to play. With I mean, obviously, you don't want coaches out recruiting kids, but I think uh, the freedom of movement is is a good thing in the long run. But it does cause a lot more unpredictability. Yeah, no question. And uh, moving on from that topic, uh, some big games this weekend that I want to mention with you. Um, Friday night, we're actually going to do a Louisville game here on the Big X. We've got the uh, mail at Ballard, so I'm really interested to to get over there and see some of the top ball clubs in the city of Louisville. But some great ones on this side of the river as well. I'm looking forward to New Albany Jasper on Saturday night. I think that will be a tremendous game. Silver Creek and Bloomington South also match up this weekend. And there are some other good ones as well. Yeah, maybe the biggest game of all when you're talking about uh, conference standings is Seymour and Floyd Central. When's the last time we talked about Seymour in the middle of a Hoosier Hills conference race? Good it's point. It's been a long time. Kirk Mann's done a great job up there, obviously a, a really good basketball mind. Um, and, you know, if Seymour can pull off an upset, then they are at home, and it's a tough place to play. Um, they, they <laughs> Seymour being Hoosier Hills conference champions in basketball just sounds weird, but um, that's what you're talking about. But, of course, Floyd Central is the big favorite, and I think pretty easily at this point the best team in that conference and that sectional. Um, but be an interesting test that Seymour and, and Seymour really is pretty good. And you know, one other thing I want to note about Seymour and I love coach Manns. He's become a friend through all the stuff we do in the summer and all that, but he's a, a Michigan state guy from the, from the right. state of Indiana, but played at Michigan state. And, uh, but, but interesting note, I've heard, uh, and seen photos. They are getting some tremendous crowds for regular season games. I mean, not filling it up right. by any stretch of the imagination, but they're getting some really good crowds at Seymour at my favorite gym, especially in the Great month of gym. March, Lloyd E. Scott Gymnasium, named after Barney Scott, who's got a tie here at Jeffersonville, as a matter of fact. But um, maybe when we get to sectional, you know, crowds have been spotty at times, and I don't know if you credit it to COVID or or what the case is. But with Seymour, I, you know, the home crowd, if, if they can turn out really big and maybe win a couple games or make it to the championship game in that sectional – 
for my favorite place to be that first week in March, I think it can really add to the environment. Because, you know, I wonder at times, Greg, and I know I'm getting off on a whole other tangent here, but as I think about March and sectionals and hopefully some normalcy when we get to that point uh, in the basketball season, uh, I wonder, will we ever have crowds at Seymour uh, where the younger players coming up get to experience maybe not 8,000 full like it was during the Romeo or the Bailey years, but will we ever get to experience you know 5,000 there for a game, 6,000 there for a game again? And I sure hope that, that his answer is, is yes. But anytime I see a little ability to increase attendance by someone like Seymour being better and having good crowds or Jennings County being more competitive, and this is the case for any of our local schools and sectionals, I get a little bit excited, maybe kind of pull yeah. for them a little bit. So. I'm, uh, you know, I'm sure that a lot of people are still hesitant with the COVID stuff, and I think that's definitely a part of it. Uh, the good thing, you know, the Seymour sectional is the only one that's uh, like um, that doesn't move, and that's never been a big deal because Seymour's <laughs> been so bad that you didn't have to worry about the home court advantage. But maybe this year, for the first time, Seymour can use that home court advantage and kind of become a factor up there. And uh, yeah, obviously, all towns in Indiana are just waiting for a great team to support and Seymour is no different than, than uh, any others. It's just been so long, yeah. so long since they've been any good at all. Yeah. Really, really amazing how long it's been. All right. Uh, each week on the Hoosier Hills hoops.com site, you've got players of the week. You highlight top performances of the week. You have a team of the week. Uh, there are so many neat weekly features that you are writing about covering. Uh, you're getting a lot of different schools and a lot of different players, some recognition, uh, let's start with players of the week. There were a couple, uh, uh, always a boys and girls as well. Right. There were a couple that stood out uh, in our area and uh, really made some noise last week. Yeah, both Harrison County, uh, both kind of players who are player of the year type candidates were players of the week this week. Uh, Ava um, Weber from from Corden scored 48 points and wins over North Harrison and, and Floyd. And for the boys, Logan McIntyre scored 48 Points and wins over Lanesville and Salem, and he was twenty for twenty-four from the field over the weekend. Wow! Well, great, uh, great uh, prospect. They're going to play Division One basketball uh, at Evansville as well. Yeah. By the way, so also team of the week for the boys. Uh, Got to go with Doc Nash mm-hmm. and the Borden Braves. They won the Southern Athletic Conference championship with a victory mm-hmm. uh, over the weekend, and it's been a few years since Doc's had a team accomplish that. Yeah, seven years, and they. Um, they front load their schedule with conference games. So, you know, it's still January and they're conference champions, which is unusual. But, yeah, good to see Borden back on top again. Yeah, no question. Uh, performances of the week, uh, other other weekly award winners that you want to highlight. I was in attendance for Tucker Bibbins' really big game, uh, one of the best games I've seen in a while at the Doghouse uh, when New Albany won in double overtime without a couple starters. And a lot of it was thanks to Tucker Bibbins, also Jaden Thompson, mm. Had a major three-pointer, but Bivin a really good. He's approaching 1,000 points in his career for New mm-hmm. Albany, and that's that's a, a really classy list if right. you look at the players uh, that have uh, reached 1,000 or more. I mean, it's it's some of the really great names in New Albany basketball history. Yeah, quite a list uh, to be a part of. Yeah, he's 32 points in an overtime win, quite a performance. Uh, our girls' performance of the week, uh, Emma Ro- Emmy Rooney from Silver Creek. Eight three-pointers, a school record for 28 points. And and Charlestown's girls, let's not forget them. They are our team of the week. Six-game winning streak they've been in. And they swept Jeff, New Albany, and Floyd, I'm guessing, for the first time ever. 
Yeah. <laughs> For the first time in a long time. It, Maybe back in the 90s. Yeah, no question. No question. Great stuff, Greg. We could spend an hour going through uh, some of this stuff, and I hope that the listeners feel the same way. Uh, big news with that addition of Caden Oliver at Silver Creek. Girls State Tournament, we didn't even get to that. It begins next week. I know we'll be all over we'll talk that. talk Tuesday. Yeah, all over that with coverage next week. And uh, look forward. Just a great time of year. Regular season boys wrapping up. Girls Tournament getting underway. In just weeks, we'll have the pairings for the boys' tournament, which is exciting. So uh, thanks for coming on, and uh, don't forget to check out all of Greg's work at HoosierHillsHoops.com, and you can follow Greg on Twitter, Greg underscore Mingelt, M-E-N-G-E-L-T, for all sorts of uh, local basketball information. All right, there's no better time of the year than right now. Thanks, Matt. Absolutely. We'll head to a commercial break. As we do, don't forget the Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Don't forget, Thornton's is the perfect stop for all the best pick-me-up items you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts. Send us your thoughts, your comments, your praises on the IU win last night. Uh, we'll go over all of them with Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall in the next segment. And still ahead, also Kip Westner of the Hoosier Basketball Magazine. A busy Thursday show here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back here on this Thursday program. The Thornton's text line is open at 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Alex Bozich of InsideTheHall.com, at InsideTheHall on Twitter, with me for the latest on IU basketball. And, of course, a big win for the Hoosiers at home last night. And I think most impressively, uh, they did it with some conviction, and Penn State was really never in the ballgame. Alex, uh, after all the talk the last week or so about the starting lineup and should there be changes and everybody giving their opinions on that, Mike Woodson chose to stay with his original starters, and they set the tone early in that game last night and helped Indiana get out to a big lead. Yeah, I mean, the game, when you think about it, was over really in the first three or four minutes. I think by the first media timeout, it was 15-2 to two Indiana. The starters, really for the first time in quite a while, had uh, an energetic, great start uh, to the game. I mean, looking at the Purdue game, Indiana was able to win that game, but they fell behind 16-8 to eight early. The Michigan game, uh, they fell uh, behind early, obviously, there, and didn't get the job done. But last night was, I think, a welcome uh, change just in terms of the energy and the way they executed early on. Uh, you know, one of the keys I was looking at um, from the first Penn State game was just how well Penn State shot the ball from the perimeter in, in Indiana. Forced them to miss their first couple three-point attempts. I know defensively the first possession of the game, uh, they set the tone by uh, forcing Penn State into a shot clock violation. So I thought the energy was, was really good defensively. Uh, they were a lot more engaged, flying around, pressuring the ball. 
And offensively, I mean, Trace Jackson Davis, Xavier Johnson, and Race Thompson, they kind of led the way early. And then when you look at the final box score, all three of those guys put together a really good night. Xavier Johnson, uh, I thought, played one of his better games that we've seen so far in an IE uniform. And then Trace Jackson Davis and, and Race Thompson combined for uh, 33 points. Uh, that That's a recipe uh, for success for Indiana. All right, I uh, want to talk about Rob Fennessey. That's one of the negatives last night. Uh, no update after the game from Coach Woodson uh, in the press conference. He did say he would be evaluated further on Thursday. What do we know about uh, Fennessey's injury from yesterday? Because that could create some lack of depth in an already um, position that has some depth problems uh, at the point guard slot if, if Fennessey's going to miss a number of games. And he's been playing really well as of late. Yeah. I was just saying, uh, just in terms of the injury situation uh, that you've kind of in this team and uh, know enough kind of how Indiana handles this stuff. You know, they don't really don't really give any information out about injuries. So I would expect that uh, unless it's something that's season-ending or something where Rob Finnessy or his family, uh, like we saw with the Trey Galloway situation, where they kind of came out and said what the the injury was and addressed it on social media. I don't I wouldn't expect Indiana to put out any information uh on the injury. Uh to me, you know, I I went back and watched uh a replay. It was hard to identify the moment where it happened. Uh, it looked to me like it was kind of like a non-contact situation where maybe he just planted his foot wrong. I don't I hate to speculate on what it might be, but uh obviously it was concerning from the fact that you know, not only did he leave the game, but he didn't even come back out to the bench for the rest of the afternoon. I think that's uh, telling that it may be a little bit more serious. Uh, you know, if it's a sprained ankle or something like that where you can just put ice, I would think he would have come back to the bench and, and watched the rest of the game, but he didn't come back out uh, the rest of the game. And the other thing that was interesting that, that I didn't really know, I mean, I know there was uh, a couple of games there where he didn't dress and there had been some talk about a a leg injury of some kind, but Mike Woodson said last last night that the Christian Lander wasn't available to play last night. That he's physically not ready to go. So uh, that that's you know obviously something uh, to be watched here in the future. Now Xavier Johnson has played upwards of thirty minutes the last three games. I would expect his minutes to kind of stay in that range as as long as he continues to play that well. But you know if Fennessy or Lander are unavailable here coming up, it's going to you know put some pressure on probably guys like uh, Trey Galloway to take some of those point guard minute, backup point guard minutes. Talking with Alex Bozich of Inside the Hall, one one of the other notes I had from last night that I thought was very positive. Obviously, the starters led the way, but it was good to see the bench again help. And in a win like that, uh, as sizable as it was, obviously the bench is going to get plenty of opportunities to contribute. But Tamar Bates, a name that we really haven't talked about much the last few weeks, really the last month or so, uh, he kind of reinserted himself back into the minds, I think, of IU fans and what his potential is and could be. He had a real boost for IU coming off the bench last night, had a couple big shots. Yeah, I made two three-pointers. I looked this up, Matt. The previous 10 games uh, going into last night, he had, he had scored a total of 16 points. And I think he was 2 of 11 on threes in that span. So last night he plays 15 minutes, doesn't turn the ball over, and makes both of his three-point shots. That's kind of what Indiana needs out of him. They don't need him trying to do too much with the ball or dribble the ball into the paint in the situations where there's 
defenders and it results in a turnover. They need him to be a guy that's, you know, spotting up on the outside. You know, it's fine to take a couple dribbles and, and make a nice pull-up shot when it's there. But, you know, he's gotten himself into trouble often when he just tries to make too much happen. You see that a lot with younger players who maybe don't play as much and they're used to playing a ton of minutes in high school and they think they're going to come into college and, you know, just be able to, to go out there and uh, things are going to be easy. That's that's not the reality. The scouting now in the Big Ten is so good. The teams have adjusted to Tamar Bates. And, you know, he, he was really good early in the season. I think you look at his first eight games, he was double figures in three of those. And then, his like I said, his production really tailed off. And I think he needs to make – some adjustments, and I think last night was a step in the right direction. We'll see if he uh, can continue because he's going to be another guy. You know, if, if Tennessee and Lander can't play, uh, they're going to need a lot more uh, from guys like Tamar Bates and Trey Allen moving forward. You uh, you mentioned Xavier Johnson a few times in earlier questions that I've asked, but he obviously had a huge game last night, very efficient. 19 points and uh, was three of three from three point range and seven of 12 overall from the field. Um, do you sense some improvement? Obviously, last night was a great game for X, but do you sense some general improvement and that he is finding his groove, finding his role, and starting to settle in here for Mike Woodson and this IU team? Well, we talked about this going back to the early part of the season, even when he com- you know committed last spring. I think the the biggest issue for him is he he sometimes tries to make the home run play rather than just making the simple play that's in front of him. And I think what he's done more recently is just kind of take the opportunity that's there and don't try to force the issue. You remember back to the, you know, some of the earlier Big Ten games, in particular the game at Wisconsin up on the road where he really struggled in the second half. He was trying to force things that weren't there. And now he's, I feel like got a better command of, of what he needs to be doing on the court. And he's a talented uh, enough player that he doesn't have to, you know, try to force things and make bad decisions. He can uh, just kind of let things come to him. And I think he's done a lot better job recently of, of being patient and letting situations play out. I mean, he's made some three pointers, but you kind of watch the, the quality of look that he's getting, you know, he's not taking contested shots uh, from the perimeter. That's really, uh, I think, a, a sign of growth for him. And, and then in terms of driving to the basket, uh, he, he's been better uh, finishing around the rim. In terms of IU's guards, I think he's one of the better uh, players they have on the roster. And being able to, to draw contact and finish at the rim or just kind of be uh, crafty with his layups and finishes at the rim. So he's definitely been uh Indiana's best point guard this season uh by leaps and bounds and, and I think these last three games uh he's really played well. They're they're gonna need him this weekend at Maryland uh to play uh the same way he's played the last three games because the the, the one thing about Maryland is they have really good uh talent at the guard position. Now it's not the best talent in terms of always playing well and performing, but you look at the the, the guards on their team, they have some they have some guys that can really play. Alex Bozich inside the hall, my guest. I'm going to make a comment here, and, and this was not in my notes, I, so so tell me if you disagree or or give, mm-hmm. me, give me your viewpoint here. But Race Thompson, he's been shooting it a little bit better from the perimeter these last few games. He has been recognized. I, I don't know where this started, if it was Coach Woodson or, or fellow players, but he's kind of got the nickname as the glue guy of this IU basketball team. And as you look at what he does game in and game out from a scoring and rebounding perspective, he always is hovering 
around a double-double, close, give or take a couple rebounds or a couple points either way. Is he IU's most improved player, more, most consistent player um, as well from the roster last year? Obviously, Trace Jackson Davis is better. Obviously, Trace Jackson Davis is always consistent and always there for IU. But taking him out of the mix, is, is, Race, is Race made the most gains from last year from that roster? Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably fair to say. Uh, he, you know, his three-point shooting has been better the last two games. I think he's three of seven. Uh, he's still only 19% on the season, so he's got some, some room to grow there. I mean, the one thing that that I look at with him making those threes last night and then making one of the Michigan games, if he can do that, you know, I'm not saying he needs to, to make one every game, but if he can do that on occasion and keep defenses honest, I think it. Uh, you look at the percentages the other guys I put on the floor to start the game shoot from three ball. You know, Miller Cop, I think, is over 35%. Xavier Johnson as well. I know Parker Stewart's up there in the 40%, uh, over 40%. All of a sudden, if you have Race Thompson out there that can make it a, a three as well, then all, you know, defenses are not going to be able to collapse and focus on Trace Jackson Davis uh, as easily. And, and I think sometimes when Indiana struggles offensively, it's because, you know, race and trace try to force passes to each other and they, 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 they can clog up the lane for one another. But if he's able to step out and make the perimeter shot on occasion, I think that's a big help. But just in terms of his overall game, uh, I, I think he's been able to do a little bit more under Mike Woodson uh, than he was allowed to do in the past. Uh, you know, his mid-range game is pretty good uh, defensively. I think he's uh, underrated. I mean, we've talked a lot about this season about uh, Trey Jackson Davis' uh, shot blocking numbers, but Race Thompson, not obviously as good as a shot blocker, but uh, he he's just a steady presence uh, on that end of the court. And you look at kind of what he did in, in some of those uh, games over in the Big Ten season, in particular against EJ Liddell, he really slowed him down and, and gave him a lot of problems. And, and he's going to have a huge matchup this weekend, too, going into the Maryland game. They've got Dante Scott, who's uh, playing really well for them and is able to step out in the perimeter and also play around the basket. So it's going to be another one of those key matchups for Ray Thompson. But, you know, that's kind of what he does. I mean, he embraces whatever challenge is thrown at him, and uh, he's a reliable, uh, dependable, uh, tough player that, that I think Mike Woodson uh, trusts a lot, and he should because he's uh, produced uh, – as reliably as anybody this whole season for Indiana. All right, Alex, final question. Let's go to the Thornton's text line for it. Texter writes, do you think the injury to Rob Fennessey will open up playing time for Anthony Leal? Uh, possibly. Depends on what the status, I think, is of, of Lander going forward. I mean, if, if Fennessey and Lander can't play, uh, like I said, I mean, they're going to have to play some other guards a little bit more. Uh, I, I think Galloway and Bates obviously have the the leg up there uh, over over Leal, but I do think Leal could get some minutes. You know, to me, it's a little bit head scratching to see how his role is kind of basically shrunk into nothing over these last couple weeks. I mean, I know he started that game. I think it was at the end of non conference play, and since then he hasn't really played much at all. And I don't think it's any fault of his. Uh, I just think he's kind of been the odd man out, but he's he's definitely capable of helping this team. The thing I like about Anthony Leal is he's uh, you know he doesn't you know do anything with the ball that's 
uh, you know, that's too risky. He, he usually makes uh, really smart, intelligent plays. I'd like to see him become a little bit more aggressive uh, when he does get a chance to get on the court in terms of taking shots. He does. He seems sometimes uh, to look to pass first instead of shoot first, and he, he's really brought in and recruited to be a shooter, and that's something he can do. So I think that's something that will grow uh, as time goes along in terms of his confidence. But, yeah, he could definitely be a guy that, that could see a, uh, an increased uh, role here uh, in the next couple of games if, if Lander and Tennessee are unable to play. Good stuff, Alex Bozich inside the hall. Lots of recap, lots of coverage from last night's big win uh, over Penn State. Of course, now the challenge is Maryland on the road, uh, an improving team, I think, in the Big Ten Conference. Alex, thanks for the chat today. Thank you, Matt. All right, we will head to a commercial break. Final segment coming up next. Kip, Kip Wessner, the publisher of the Hoosier Basketball Magazine, is going to join us. The magazine is available, and Kip's a great resource to chat high school basketball in our state. So stay with us for that conversation coming up next here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back. Final segment here on this Thursday program. My friend Kip Wessner, the publisher of Hoosier Basketball Magazine, joins us for this Final segment today, and Kip, 52 years of Hoosier Basketball Magazine. It felt like the season could officially move on when I got my copy a few weeks ago from Brian Sullivan. Uh, Great stuff, great information. It truly is the one-stop publication for everything related to Indiana basketball, really from all levels, and it's great to have you with us today, Kip. Well, thanks for uh, having me. I always enjoy being on with you. Um, the basketball magazine, it, it is, uh, it's an interesting publication in the fact that it has such long, uh, longevity, the, uh, the newspaper business, the magazine business, a lot of uh, distributions different now than what it was, you know, 20 or 30 years ago when I started working for Gary Donna, but it is amazing. We go to about, uh, well, I go to a game just about every night, but I have a staff of a half dozen people or more and we go to games three and four nights a week and it's amazing how when you walk in the gym with the Hoosier basketball magazine not only are there people who know it there are people who come up to you and want to get it even before the announcements read and uh, I think people do uh, have an interest in getting uh, the publication each year. Kip good southern Indiana feel to the Hoosier basketball magazine here in this uh, 52nd year uh, Will Loving's Watts of Jeffersonville, uh, McIntyre from over at North Harrison, and also uh, Brandon Northern at Silver Creek, all featured on the front cover. Also, uh, Kennedy Striverson from Silver Creek, uh, state champion there for the girls in 3A a year ago. Uh, some locals uh, getting some uh, cover love there from Hoosier Basketball Magazine. Yeah, when uh, we always try and represent the state as best we can. You know, there's 400 schools, and there are so many uh, outstanding players, especially on girls' basketball here in the state of Indiana. Uh, they're a Division One player. We have we do a top 60 workout. Sometimes there are 
40 to 50 girls who are playing Division One basketball. So uh, having the opportunity to be, um, you know, featured on the front cover is it's a challenge for my staff and uh, myself to be able to put the best players on the st- uh, in the state on the cover. But obviously, with McIntyre going to Evansville and uh, North Harrison there, and um, the Silver Creek factor last year with them both winning the 3A uh, state championship uh, made it pretty easy choices with them being junior all stars. But but yeah, Southern Indiana is a hotbed. Your your area of the state with New Albany and Jeffersonville and that rivalry and the way Silver Creek and those 3A teams have done, even Brownstown Central this year's really been had an outstanding team. Uh, it's just a great place for Indiana high school basketball. Yeah, no question. Kip Westner, publisher of the Hoosier Basketball Magazine, I guess. Kip, I'm going to get your expertise on a couple subjects here in just a moment. But first, how can someone order the magazine, get a copy of the magazine uh, for a keepsake, for all the information that's in there? What's the best way to go about that? Well, you can go to our website. It's HoosierBasketballMagazine.com, and you can order by mail. Um, I'm trying to get into the 21st century and be able to take credit cards where you can just put in a credit card and get the magazine, but now we're still living in the 1980s, which isn't a bad generation. You have to send in your payment, and we'll we'll mail you we'll mail you a copy but the the good thing is i expedite those orders so once i go to the post office every day whenever i get magazines like or checks i get them sent out um but then also uh, like you mentioned brian sullivan he he'll be at the uh, new albany girls game versus jasper or uh, versus seymour tonight and then versus jasper on saturday the boys uh he's got uh, a few copies available so if you know brian or see him uh, he's got a copy, but the, the final way is if you give me a call, 317-925-8200, I can direct you in southern Indiana, or we can get you one through mail. So there's a few different ways of, of getting a copy. All right, great stuff. Kip Westner, Hoosier Basketball Magazine, my guest, year number 52, and of course it was all started by really a legend in our state who's no longer with us, Gary Donna. And uh, Kip, whenever I see that uh, magazine come out, I think of our our good friend and your great mentor, Gary Donna, who uh, did so much for our state and even for girls basketball in our state as well. So it's great to see you carrying on the tradition of Hoosier basketball magazine here in the Hoosier state. Well, Gary was definitely a pioneer for girls basketball. I mean, uh, when the magazine started back in 70, 71, Indiana boys basketball was, was a really big deal, but uh, he actually, this is just an amazing uh, stat. He actually put a girl on the front cover of the Hoosier Basketball Magazine before the IHSA even sanctioned uh, girls basketball in the state in the 75-76 season. And uh, the fact that there were many boys coaches who just didn't want any part of that, uh, he, he was a pioneer. He, he did what he thought was best for the sport and uh, obviously to have a 52-year legacy uh, that he's created. It's it's amazing. Like even we talk about the top 60, he created that top 60 workout uh, postseason to have uh, the best players in the state come and be in one building all at the same time. And ironically, the day he died was the day of the girls top 60 workout in uh, 2017. So you create a day for basketball in Indiana and that's your legacy because it's also the day you die. Yeah, absolutely. Kip Westner, who's your basketball magazine? All right. Uh, Kip, you get out and you see as many games as anyone I know in our state. And the great thing about you is you're not just in 
one part of the state. You truly get around the state from the beginning of the season all the way through the state championship games for the girls and the boys. So we've talked some of this week about the girls' tournament getting underway next week, and we think Silver Creek is the best chance here in our area to make a run. But I want to get some early thoughts on the boys' tournament from you. Statewide, of all the teams you've seen, and you don't even have to go through all four classes, but maybe one or two picks that you think are surefire locks, favorites, front runners to win their respective classes on the boys' side. Any any state championship picks for us, Kip? Well, I'll tell you, last year when we uh, did the Hoosier Basketball Magazine, I won't say it was easy to pick the number one teams, but the number one teams uh, came through pretty much last year with uh, Silver Creek in 3A and Fort Wayne Blackhawk in 2A and Bar Reeve in 1A. This year it's a little different. <clears throat> we rated those teams near the top again because you look at what Carmel has done over the last uh, three state tournaments, including the pandemic year, they haven't lost a game. And you look at Fort Wayne Blackhawk and what they've done. They graduated three starters from their team, but they still only have one loss. We rated them number one in the state. And then Bar Reeve, you know, that sectional with North Davies and Lagodi and Bar Reeve is about as good as it gets. People, a lot of people talk about sectional 10 in Indianapolis, which is just a meat grinder. But in Class A, that uh, sectional 62 group in Lagodi is, is pretty amazing. Bar Reeve plays a uh, bigger schedule, really. They played Carmel last year. They, they go out and play pretty much anybody. So they have a few losses. But to answer your question, Carmel, I think, is still the best team. That's who we've got rated number one. But what's funny about 4A is Carmel lost to Homestead. Homestead lost to Chesterton, and Chesterton's undefeated. So it's hard not to say that Chesterton may be the best team right now, but come March, you know, that 4A, there could be a dozen, half dozen for sure, maybe as many as a dozen teams that have a claim to this 4A state championship this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kip Westner, publisher of the Hoosier Basketball Magazine. Kip, one more time, the website and the phone number for somebody that wants to get on the horn and order a copy today. Yeah, give me a call at 317-925-8200. That's also a texting number if you want to send me a text, and I'll uh, direct you to a game that we may be to in southern Indiana where you can pick up a copy or I can uh, – uh, help you get one ordered by mail. Also, the Hoosier Basketball Magazine website, which is just HoosierBasketballMagazine.com. And uh, the final tidbit is uh, if you see Brian Sullivan or know him, ask him for a magazine because he's got a few. So that's that's good in southern India. All right, great stuff. Kip, as always, thanks for your work and thanks for joining us. We'll have this conversation again soon, maybe as we get into the state tournaments. Sounds great. I, lo- I love being on with you and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Absolutely. Kip Wester, my good friend with the Hoosier Basketball Magazine. It's a, a legendary publication in our state, and it's been fun to have one here the last few weeks to s- read all about local teams and maybe teams we'll see down the road uh, in the state tournament as well. Have a great Thursday. We'll be back Friday at 11 a.m. to wrap up the week. IU with a big win last night. Now they'll get ready for Maryland, and we'll talk all about it tomorrow here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.